Greetings and welcome to this edition of One for the Road podcast. I'm your host, Randy Schlichting, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Bob Carter. He is back from wandering out in the streets. Last time he wasn't here, but he is able to join me in studio to greet and question, perhaps interrogate or grill, our good friend, Bill Wood. Bill Wood is the director of Life on Life Mission or Discipleship here. He runs our adult ministries, men's and women's and uh, does a host of other things here and really was uh, instrumental in bringing Transformation 09 out last year as Randy Pope and he put that conference together to really reach out to churches who are struggling to figure out how do we shepherd our people, how do we disciple our people, how do we press them really to live and walk in light of the gospel. So Bill will share a bit about that perhaps in the future of Life on Life, why we think uh, we have something here that could be helpful to other churches as they uh, go forward. He'll also talk maybe about upcoming clinics a little bit and just whatever else might be on his heart. Bill is a surprising character, always fun to be around. You never know what he might say. I just want to warn him, whatever he does say uh, may and can and will be used against him in a court of law. So join us now with Bill Wood. Okay, this is Bob Carter and, uh, and Bill just wanted to open the first question up here with you have through the years, your ministry here at Perimeter Church has been involved in talking with a lot of churches. And can you summarize what is on the mind of people doing church these days and leading churches? What's on their mind? What's on their heart? What are they, you know, what's, what are they interested in? You know, as I uh, talk to pastors, over the years, the topics have varied a little bit. Most recently, you talk to pastors and you hear them uh, talking about budgets that are being reduced. Uh, so those are the kind of things that are creating some angst for them now. Uh, but there's a theme that continues to be a recurring theme over the last seven or eight years as I've been working with pastors, and that is that uh, they're concerned that their people really aren't being matured in Christ and becoming missional in their Christian experience. And so you know, we live in a time when a pastor can pull a box off of the shelf and there are conferences on every topic that you can imagine. There are products on every walk and every aspect of the walk of the Christian life. And so these pastors are throwing things up against the wall, see what sticks, and, and they're still pretty frustrated about it. So I'd say that's probably been a recurring theme. There's just a frustration of how they can effectively help their people become more missional and be more uh, legitimate in their uh, leadership of these people in the Christian experience. Why do, you, why do you think that is now that they're thinking about I mean, why is it that maybe 20 years ago they weren't talking about it? Why are they talking about it now? You know, I think it's kind of interesting. I think uh, Randy has written a little book called Minority Reports. I always like to give the, the owner of this little podcast a plug. Ching, um, <laughs> ching. Thank you. Royalty coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. Uh, he hits on something that's really pretty... Uh, it's, it's amazingly simple. It should be obvious to everyone, but it's not so obvious. And that is that back in the 70s, the culture really supported the whole Christian experience. Today, we find ourselves not being uh, in a culture that's uh, sympathetic necessarily to Christianity. In fact, oftentimes it feels as though Christianity is the whipping boy, the only religion that is uh, fair game uh, for people who are not religious to be able to take on. So... I think pastors are feeling that that pressure that there's no there's no secondary support systems that are helping them 
in this process. So uh, they're, they're probably feeling a little bit more like aliens in a strange land. You know, I, I, um, I'm already thinking this is going to be two podcasts because I've got like eight questions that just came to my mind seriously about this. Because I want to back up just a little bit. Define a mature Christian for us. I mean, not the textbook thing, but maybe some people who are listening to this would say, okay, yeah, we want to be more mature and equipped, but how would you, what does a pastor, what does that look like for people? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I travel with Randy Pope, and as we talk to pastors around the, the U.S. and actually around the world, we will do this exercise, we'll say, let's put up on the whiteboard, what do you think a mature follower of Christ looks like? And they'll put things up like they are sincere worshipers, uh, they manage their resources, financial resources well, they, they steward their gifts, uh, they, they have quiet times, they share the gospel with their friends, um, you know, they, um, they, they keep a short tab on sins, so there's a good sin management program there. <laughs> Uh, there's just a whole list of things. And, um, you know, what is a mature follower of Christ? You know, for me, um, and it's purely my opinion, I don't know that it would be necessarily even the opinion of you two guys here, it's a sincere worshiper. Mm-hmm. Someone who is seeking to take what Christ has done in my life and turn it outward and be missional and let my life uh, encounter the lives of people around me that are not necessarily in a church. And... Uh, and let the kingdom of God come to them and be in uh, some kind of a conduit for that. That's well put. So we are <clears throat> we're wanting to export this. And uh, when you think about exporting life on life, missional discipleship, what are what are some of the issues that, uh, or maybe barriers or challenges you face when you're trying to talk to churches about this issue? Well, there, there are a couple of things, really, that come to mind. The first thing is that Perimeter's not very good at that kind of stuff. We're not a church that really natively comes upon promotion, self-promotion. There are things that we do well, but we are also quick to acknowledge that, you know, it's got a lot of flaws with it. Mm-hmm. I contrast that with some churches out there. They get something that's like 10 or 30%, 40% finished, and they start selling it in mass. Uh, that's just not our style. We are, uh, um, as we think about exporting it, the biggest barrier probably is just ourselves. You know, getting our head wrapped around the idea that we need to be a little more intentional about this, to be a little more marketing oriented, if you will, to use a business term in the mm-hmm. church context. I know that will offend some, but um, actually we find it offensive too. We don't really want to market anything. We just want to go out there and, and help people understand this. Steve Brown made a comment when he was in our pulpit here not too many weeks ago, and he said, postmodernity has given us the church a gift. And he said, the gift it did given us is that everything goes back to the first century. Mm-hmm. So we know for a fact in the first century that life on life missional discipleship in the context of that era worked. Eleven Jews took the command of mm-hmm. Christ to heart, and today we're sitting here doing a podcast in Duluth, Georgia, and it's because those 11 men took that seriously. So if we are in a postmodern world and culture, we know that the methods that Jesus employed then, back in the first century, can work now. Let me ask this, how do you, and maybe this touches on what you're talking about a little bit, but how do 
you how do you blow past the I don't want to be a shameless self promoter, but yet yet know that I want to tell people about this what we're doing here. But man, I don't want to come across as cocky as we've got the program, we got the book, you got to do the mm. X Y Z thing, but yet believing so much that what we're doing is good and healthy. There's, there's, I know there's a tension there. I, I, maybe there's not an answer to that. Maybe that's the question. I well, I think part of the answer is that we, um, as Randy and I have talked about this, we have become convinced that it's a stewardship issue. Mm. Over the 32 years that church uh, primer has been in existence, God has been, over those years, giving us greater and greater insight into this whole area of what does it mean to build in the lives of men and women in our church. And, and so for us, you know, we're, we're reluctant in one sense, but we're bold in another sense, in that sense of that God has given us this insight, He's entrusted it to us, so as a matter of stewardship, it's our responsibility to go out. I was just recently in a conference over in uh, Poland, and a um, two-day conference, about a two-and-a-half-day conference, and the first question they ask is, what are your materials? Where's your box set? Where's mm -hmm. your booth? You don't have a mm -hmm. booth set up here in a conference area. Mm -hmm. And we said, we're not here to sell you product, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. Hmm. Well, throughout the next 24 hours, they kept saying, what, what resources do you have? We kept saying, Jesus. We want to point you back to Jesus. It wasn't until the third day that we actually began to talk a little bit about resources, but uh, by that time, they had so thoroughly bought into the idea that Jesus was uh, the central focus of this Life on Life mission discipleship. For one hour, as we gave them this instruction and this content, they told us all the reasons why it couldn't be done in Poland for one hour. And as I listened to it, honestly, my spirit just went deeper and deeper and deeper until I had this realization of Matthew 28, 17. It says, you know, the disciples were with Christ up on the mountain just before he's about to be mm -hmm. catapulted, and they were worshiping, and it said, and some doubted. Mm -hmm. So here he is about to give them the Great Commission, and what's the state of the heart of the disciples? Some were doubting. Mm. So I told these uh, Polish pastors, I said, actually, I'm encouraged. And they were just stunned. I mean, jaws dropped all over the room. We just for an hour told you why this isn't going to work here, and you're telling us you're encouraged. And I said, I believe the 11 men on that mountain must have been Polish. <laughs> of course, we know they weren't. They were Jewish. <laughs> but they thought that was humorous. And, and I said, you know what, if the world can be turned upside down by 11 men, if there are 11 pastors in this room of 100 who take this to heart, who knows what can happen in Poland. And so for us, it's a stewardship issue. And as, as Randy goes and talks to people, pastors over and over and over will say, I need this. And so we're almost being dragged into doing this uh, rather than trying to create some, artificially stimulate some need and then try to rush in and meet it. Now, you know, when I, uh, <coughs> when I turn the pages of a Christian magazine about, you know, every other page is some conference that's coming up, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, I know a lot of these guys have maybe heard this, but I think it would be good, again, to review. Well, I mean, we did have a, we did have a big conference back mm -hmm. in the fall, mm -hmm. but that's not really what drives us here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, why not a big conference? And I mean, what are we looking for at the end of the yeah. uh, process here? There's another illustration of us being brought into a, a scenario, kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. uh, conferencing, we've decided conferencing generally, in and of itself, is not a 
the most suitable way to have any real transformation take place in the minds and hearts of the people. Generally, conferences that I've been to, and I'm sure it's true for some of you, it's, it's almost like a, a, a Christian gab fest. You know, there are some very dominant personalities, and they're up there, and they've got 14 steps to this or that. Mm. Uh, our conference that we did, it went across the spectrum, but it was very narrowly focused. Uh, we were talking about uh, transformation through life on life missional discipleship. We were talking about transformation in the hearts of our children, and we were talking about transformation in our communities. So we had three tracks, and that's what we focused on. Um, and we had some fun. I mean, Bob, you sang Devil Went Down to Georgia. I this, missed that night. And that was, it was outstanding. Uh, but but we, we see the conference as serving a greater purpose. And the greater purpose is a clinic that we have coming up in this month, actually February 25th, where we will go more intentionally and more intensively with uh, 24 churches presently that are coming to spend five days with us. Well, in a clinic, are we, are we really trying to model what we're trying to do in Life on Life Missional Society? Yeah, it's twofold. We're going to model it, but we're also going to try to go a step further and do some certification so we can have train-the-trainer type experiences right. for these folks. So they can, the real challenge here, is, you know, Jesus did this in the first century, but it's a, it's a lost art. It's an art form that's been lost in the church for centuries. And so when pastors go back and try to implement this in the life of their church, it's always uh, a little bit of a frustration. The learning curve seems to be very steep. And so what we want to do is have these intensives, we call them clinics, where we think that uh, we can flatten the learning curve a little bit and have a higher probability of success in the life of their church. It's amazing to me that someone will come for five days, but it really resonates with thinking I'm recently having about you know, the internet is so quick. Jump from this page, get this, do this, Twitter, whatever, 140 characters, make it happen, get your information, be done, move on, next thing. And this appears to be so counterintuitive and cultural here to say, you need to take five days out of your schedule. This isn't an afternoon thing. So is that, as you think about that, I'm sure, are people pushing back against that, saying, man, I can't do five days? Or is it just, this is the first one you're doing, I know, so... It is the first we're doing, but we have had some pushback. I've spoken to some pastors who are coming from churches of 100, 150 people, and so their staff is predominantly made up of lay people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a challenge for the lay people to be able to take off from work, particularly in our economic situation the way it is these days, and be out of work for four days, essentially what you're asking them to do. <clears throat> but uh, for those who have signed up, I mean, some we have some that are bringing 9, 12, 14 people. And um, you know, so we're you know we're kind of hopelessly optimistic, hopelessly, hopefully optimistic that this will be a good way to go. But again, we're holding clinics in an open hand. We don't know if this is a way ultimately to do this. There, there might be a better way. Uh, clinics may have seen their best day back in the '70s. We just don't know. I can tell you, I love the idea of the relational context there because I know when I go hanging around people. It's the in-between, it's the talking, mm -hmm. it's the rubbing, it's the eating, it's the standing in the restroom together, mm -hmm. or well, maybe not in the restroom, but you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> that kind of stuff is kind of hanging with people and talking about it and giving time to process as opposed to a quick in, quick out. I think it kind of marinates people's souls a little bit. Well, so. I think that's what we're trying to look at with the clinic. The clinic is not so jam-packed that they don't have time for processing. Yeah. There's team time for them to come back together, and we're doing clinics on three tracks, so let them process together as a team what's going on in your track. Um, so I think, you know, 
it, the idea is that it'll be, hopefully it'll be a, a good time, but we'll see. The, the bigger thing that I'm even more excited about after the clinics is that there's an ongoing relationship with the churches that come 12 to 18 months out mm-hmm. to help them as they continue to implement this mm-hmm. in the life of their church, if they choose to do that. Mm-hmm. So we'll have coaches who will be working with them while they're here, and then those coaches will continue to check in with them over the next 12 to 18 months. Wow, that's cool. What about uh, the average elder? How, how can the average elder support you? You know, I think the biggest thing, if uh, and you're talking about the average elder in our church. Yes. There are no average elders, by the way. Absolutely. I just want to say that for you guys. You're all way above average. Yeah, they're, they're, Go ahead, Bill. All the women are beautiful and all the <laughs> elders are above average. But uh, I would say that uh, the biggest uh, help to me, being very parochial about this, would be to be fully engaged in the process of life and life missional discipleship in the context of our church here. Uh, to be investing in the lives of other men. Um, to have that experience, to have that skill being cultivated and expanded in their lives so that when we come to them and say, look, could you take on a church in uh, Huntsville, Alabama and be their coach, their mentor, their whatever, they would be able to do that because they've got the experience of having done life-on-life missional discipleship here. Uh, to me, our elders and, and, our, and our members at large represent a great untapped resource a human resource that, that we uh, have got to figure out a way to effectively mobilize uh, for the benefit of the kingdom. We have some people here that God has given some incredible gift to, and it just would seem to me to be an utter shame not to take advantage of that in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to wrap there. Bill, thanks so much for being here. And I guess, you know, as we're closing, I just want to say, uh, to you guys and ladies who are listening here, this is your church. Uh, our our hope and our vision and our dream is to minister to other people, not just the local community. And so my good guess is there are a bunch of different ways you can participate, as Bill said, be engaged in life on life, missional discipleship, be supportive of what's happening, be praying, be thinking, uh, and just keep your ears open out there. We appreciate the fact that you listen to this podcast. Uh, we hope you tune in next time. Thanks for joining us on this edition of One for the Road.